Well, it is my privilege this morning um, to introduce to you, as I had alluded to in, in that prayer, that we have an opportunity to hear from a man at the age of 17 years old in 1989. God did a unique thing in this man, the only man in this province to trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. Isn't that amazing? In this area of India, with so many, he became a Christian. It's interesting that it's also the Sunday where we're praying for the persecuted church. And back then, he was kicked out of his home. And yet God had a plan for him. That he rose up from the Banjara people. The Banjara, uh, there are 4 million people in this area. 60 million in India. That's the scope that we're talking about. And so this morning, we have an opportunity to hear from Pastor uh, Serenavas Nayak. Serenavas is the General Secretary of Global Banjara Baptist Ministry. You may have heard of us talk about GBBMI, which is the Global Banjara Baptist Ministry International. We'll tell you about that later and how we can partner with them. But really, that organization exists to support these ministries. Serenavas has a wife and three kids. He has two girls and a boy, all teenagers. God has richly blessed and gifted him. He, his calling is to plant churches. He trains and equips believers. And in these churches, he sends more believers to reach millions of people. That's their hope. Millions of people with the Banjara tribe, but Banjara people here in India. So it is our opportunity this morning um, to hear from him. So let's welcome Pastor Serenavas. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you for giving a warm welcome. And I'm so glad to be back to fellowship. This is one of my favorite places in U.S. I love to come again and again. It was uh, 2008 when I first visited Waco uh, with my dear brother in Christ, Dr. Doug Matthews, who was a, a teacher at a professor at Baylor. And he was attending uh, fellowship, and he brought me here. And since then, I fell in love with this church, and I truly admire the way the church is growing, and pastors preach, and the way you love the Lord, and how you support mission. So I'm here to thank you once again for supporting Banjara Ministry in India, uh, the church planting ministry as well as the school. Uh, you will hear about the school later, but uh, I want to give you a few uh, statistics what God is doing among Banjara in India through GBBMI. So we have 30 men working with me, along with me, 30 men are there who are covering 286 Banjara villages. As you just heard, there are millions of Banjara live in India and uh, so many thousands of Banjara villages. Banjara people live in small, tiny villages. That's why we got to go to several villages. And right now we are covering 286 with the help of 30 men. And uh, we were able to see in a year, from last October to September, we were able to see 706 individuals, those who asked Jesus to come into their life, and uh, out of them, 173 
uh, were baptized in a year and uh, about uh, 551 are learning about baptism. So we are hoping that they very soon they will uh, make a decision of uh, being baptized. You know, baptism is something very difficult step they need to take in a country like in India. So it's a hard thing to make that decision. So being saved when they ask Jesus to pray to come into their life is easier once they understand the gospel. But taking a bold step of being baptized is a very bold thing to make a decision and uh, do that before other believers and uh, in front of the community. So thank you. And uh, I have, uh, we have 85 churches, home churches, I mean village churches we have where weekly worship service take place. And uh, then we have uh, uh, 29 of these centers were started in this year. So I'm so grateful for your partnership with your prayers and prayerful support. We are able to go to those so many villages and were able to see what God has been doing. So you are also partnering with this and you are part of this uh, success and we all together praise God for what he is doing. A lot to be done but uh, we are just praising for what he has given and I uh, will report you as God does more in that part of the country. This morning you are seeing on the screen that why missions you know in my English missions is so important. So uh, I see it is being corrected. So why missions are important to me? So if I had to say rightly, but I was thinking why missions is so important is to me. Okay, so please don't uh, uh, worry about my English and grammar and try to listen what God is speaking through these scriptures. So many times this mission is misunderstood. Among churches, among individuals, missions is not properly understood. I try to help you understand, and I don't know whether I'll be able to do it fully, but, uh, uh, you know, in India, I would not have a time limit. Nobody uses timer. So when I am done, then the service is over. But here, I got to go with uh, the clock, and I'm not, uh, uh, I don't have much practice speaking in English. So I speak in English, but not as uh, your pastors do. So I, I will be uh, running and so uh, flipping my papers and that. So please bear with me. Let me give you the definition of the word mission. Mission is an important assignment carried out for political, religious, or a commercial purpose. Most of the time, typically involves travel. That is the word mission. Mission is the assignment carried out for, with a purpose. It could be political or religious or even commercial. Number two, what is the Christian mission? We are talking about missions and Christian missions. See, sometimes you see there are I think, some uh, movies called missions or mission. They have a different mission. But what is a Christian mission? Christian mission is 
a task on which God sends a person he has called for. So God has called somebody with a purpose and he sends them with that task and that is the Christian mission and most of the time that mission is to introduce other groups of people to the gospel. As we were just praying and seeing, that is Christian mission. So in plain words, Christian mission is taking the gospel to a place or to a people group who have not heard. That is Christian mission. And if we are talking about the mission of a church, then that is the church, mission of the church is sending missionaries, sending missionaries to all parts of the world until everyone has had opportunity to hear the message of Jesus and accept him as Lord. So church mission is sending their believers. So here we are calling missionaries, church sends missionaries with a mission to reach unreached people groups, unreached areas and geographical areas with the gospel so that they hear the gospel and come to the knowledge, saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That is the mission. So most of the time what is not being understood properly is when we call missionaries, we think, many think, that's not me, so that's not my job. Don't we think that way? So are you a missionary? Oh, that's a great answer. Then you should be having a field. You should be carrying that message. And you should be doing that. So I think rest of the sermon is not needed because I was trying to help people that, oh, you are a missionary. But you already got that you are a missionary. So I don't need to uh, preach my rest of the sermon. Right? Yeah, I can come down. <laughs> Sit down and you can just come. So I'm so glad that you hear that. You, you just answer that. And uh, many times traditionally people think that mission is something you go to some far place, some other country, uh, to a primitive land, uh, primitive cultures, and share the gospel. And that person is called missionary. And who doesn't return back for maybe many months or years? Oh, we call them missionaries. But mission given to us is very simple. We understand that God has created us and he has created with a purpose. We all believe and we all confess in several ways in our prayers and praising and singing that God is our creator and he has a purpose. What is that purpose? The purpose for every individual, every man and woman created on this earth, whether he or she a Christian or not, the purpose of every person who is created is to glorify God. Isaiah 43, 7 says, He has created. God says, I have created them for my glory. So God created us for his 
glory and one and only task one and only purpose for our life is to glorify god and uh, if we think okay glorify god and we all understand and we try to do but many times how you glorify god we are not clear on that or sometimes we don't understand or don't do right so how you glorify god psalm 100 tells us that worship him give the invitation to come worship the lord god you know why because we belong to him we are his sheep and we are his and we are made to worship him so we are supposed to be glorifying god through our worship so we bring glory everything we do everything we say everything we live for must be bringing glory in 1 corinthians 10:31 paul says whether you eat or drink anything you do do it for the glory of god do anything glorifying god and if you are not doing bringing glory to god that is not counted as part of your mission that will be something you are doing uh, which is god has not interested you to do and we are entitled we are entrusted to glorify god and uh, one thing we do that is through worshiping god then another way of worshiping god or glorifying god is knowing him knowing god learning about god that means understanding who god is understanding and giving him a right place in our life that is glorifying god so many times we praise god when we gather as a church when we meet in a small groups when we sing we praise god but in rest of the life we don't give proper place and a right place to god in our doings and sayings but we are created to glorify him we are created to praise him we are created to have a right relationship with him and do the work he has given to us because jesus says father i have done the work which you have given to me and i am sending these men to do the same work what was the mission jesus came on jesus came to earth to save the sinners jesus came to save the sinners 1 timothy 1:15 says that and uh, the uh, apostle says there that it is commonly said it is commonly known it is so common that jesus came to save the sinners and very popular words we uh, hear from luke 19:10 jesus himself said i come to seek the lost seek and save the lost so those who are not been saved i have come here to save them 
then who is lost? One time, all of us were lost. But now, we are saved. But millions are there in all over the world who are not saved. So to be a missionary, you don't have to go to India or China or Africa or somewhere else. To be a missionary, you got people who are not saved in Waco, Texas. You got people, families around you in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in your locality, in your town and city and college and school. You got people who are not saved. So I'm coming over there. So missions means we think, yeah, I did tell you that it is typically involved with the travel. But if we uh, deeply understand the word missions means, let's uh, clarify it within what God has said. Jesus came to save sinners. And Jesus told or commissioned his disciples to go and preach the gospel and make disciples. And Jesus came on what? To save sinners. That means saving is his mission. And when we go, what we do, we cannot save anybody. We don't save anybody. But we can only be partners with God in saving work God does, Holy Spirit God does. So we are involved in saving work of God. So we can win souls. We cannot save souls. Hope you understand that. Uh, I'm making you to understand clearly. So we cannot save anybody, but we help somebody get saved by sharing the gospel, by showing them a life Christ having in us and exemplary demonstrating the love of Christ through us and through our words, we make people understand. So missions means winning souls. Not necessarily you have to go to a foreign land. Do you agree with me? So Jesus, Jesus gave us a mission and every individual is a missionary which we have agreed but are we doing that mission work? How many of us are winning souls? In the passage, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul is describing, if you could read the chapter from 1 to the last verse, you will really see the heart of that missionary. He is poured out. If you could read a chapter before, fourth verse, uh, fourth chapter, he is pouring out. They are going through so many difficult trials and difficult uh, situations, but still they are not stopping what they are doing. You know why? Because they are driven. They are driven by this soul-winning mission. And he is trying to be faithful for what he is given. And we are given the same mission. Because when Jesus sent his disciples, he, when he was praying in John 17, Jesus, we find a prayer there, and Jesus was praying 
for his disciples. And many might think that, okay, he was talking about those 12 or 70. But in verse 20, he says, Father, I not only pray for these, but I am also praying for those who get saved through their word. Those who believe in me through their word. That means when Jesus was praying in the garden of Gethsemane, he was praying for you and me. He was praying for even people, those who are going to be saved through you and me. And we all are given the mission that is to take this message to others. To make known the message who have not heard. And that is our mission. But today we are caught in a world where makes us to think that missions is not mine. That is somebody's, maybe few selected ones. And many think that, oh, to be a missionary, you should have a calling. Jesus had already called everyone. In the Great Commission, Great Commission did not exclude any believer. Do you think we were not included in Great Commission? We are all included in that Great Commission and we are commissioned to go and share the gospel. And you don't have to be big missionary to go a foreign land. Again, I'm, uh, I'm reminding you, you could be a missionary to your next door. You could be missionary in your uh, college or school or working place. Anywhere you find people. One thing I uh, did not understand, even though I was in ministry for several years, for more than 10 years, but I did not understand one thing. And God helped me to understand through a brother from Lincoln, Nebraska in 2004. That is, before that, I was thinking like, okay, heaven would be a boring place because what we do there, we do only spend time in God's presence and praise few songs, uh, sing songs, but uh, did not understand that it would be more magnifying and praising with the uh, rewards you are given. You know, in uh, chapter 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, in the passage before, in uh, verse 9 and 10, Paul mentions about the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ. That is the place where every believer, that is, you and me who are truly saved by the blood of Christ, are going to stand before Jesus and give account for God has given us to live on this earth after we are saved. From the moment we are saved, we are accountable to give accounts to God how you spent your life, how you spent your opportunities, how you spent your resources, how you spent your time. Is that bringing glory to God or not? And in another passage in 1 Corinthians 3, there he mentions, Paul mentions building a house 
He's illustrating someone builds a house with silver, with gold, with precious stones, and uh, hay, and straw, and wood, those things use and build. And you will be, all your works will be tested by a fire. Fire test. They go fire test, and whatever stays, you gain. And anything consumed, you lose. You lose. So that is considered as a great loss. What is that loss? That means anything we are doing today after God saved is not bringing glory to God. Anything we are doing today is not helping somebody getting saved. Anything we are doing today is not helping a believer to grow in Christ's image that is going to be burnt into ashes. And we are going to experience a great loss. If we are not uh, knowing that or cautious about that and uh, conscious having that in mind, when we appear before God, we are going to see that as a great loss. You will be in heaven. The verse is very clear. You are not saved by deeds. You are saved by God's grace and you, your faith in him. But the life, the works and deeds, how you spent your life is going to determine how you are going to spend your eternity. Your belief decides your destination. Your behavior decides how you are going to spend that destiny, uh, eternity. So that's the reason I am here to help you understand and urge you, let us not be caught by the world and uh, miss the missions. Miss doing missions. If we did not, if we are not sharing the word of God with others, if we are not involved and busy in the work of saving souls, then we are losing a lot. And uh, in the book of Proverbs 11.30 says, the wise win souls. One version says, those who win souls are wise. So both ways, it's right. Wise people, what they do, they will be busy winning souls. And those who win souls are considered as wise. Are we involved in winning souls or anything else? And God's mission, what we see through Jesus, is winning souls. So saving the lost. That is God's mission. And what the mission we are given to? Again, the same. We must partner with Jesus, with Holy Spirit God, and we work along and do our best, contribute best in somebody's salvation. We present them the gospel. We demonstrate Jesus through our lives and help them getting to that saving knowledge. Jesus saves. We draw people. We direct them. We send them to the cross. So that's our job. In Ecclesiastes, the 
writer is called the wise, wisest person um, among the people lived as human being. Besides Jesus, among all he was considered as wisest. And you would know who wrote Ecclesiastes. King Solomon. He lived a life, you know, what we are trying or the world trying to live today. He had gone, experienced all of that stuff, and finally he says, in conclusion, that was all in vain. That's all in waste. So, career making, doing something this, doing something this, trying this, that's all waste. And he says, okay, men and women, live a life, whichever you think uh, gives you pleasure. Live. You have freedom. But remember, you are going to be accountable. You are accountable. You are going to give account for your life, how you spent your life on earth. So that is the purpose. That's the reason we need to be focusing on missions and there is nothing else greater or bigger or better than winning souls. Paul mentions in chapter 5, uh, 2 Corinthians, saying, we were dead in our sins. While we were dead in our sins, Jesus came and died for all of us. When he came to earth, we were dead. We were found dead. But when he died, he made us alive. Through his death, he made us alive. And now he says, men, women, do you have any right to live this life which is written, given back to you by Jesus? Do you have right to live for yourself? If you make plans, goals, ambitions, I want to become this, I want to achieve this, I want to do this. But do you really have right to live your life on your own or for your own purposes? Because you are created to worship him, glorify him. And because of our disobedience, we were dead. And Jesus died for us. He bought us back. And now he gave us another opportunity to live for him. And if we are not living for him, then we are abusing his grace. We are abusing the freedom of choice he has given to us. So, one time, uh, missionary Hudson Taylor, Pastor Ham, yeah, uh, missionary Taylor was asked when he was making presentations, he was a missionary to China, and uh, somebody asked him, Mr. Taylor, do you have calling to go to China? And this missionary asked that gentleman back, Sir, do you have calling to sit back at your home? Did God tell you, did God call you to sit at home? Just do what you are doing. I don't know whether I made it, you understand or not. So people, those who are on missions, 
Okay, sometimes we question their calling. But do you have calling to do what you are doing? And uh, again, I want to remind you, Jesus made us the soul winners. When he called his disciples, when he called Peter, Andrew, James, John, they were fishermen. They were, I believe, they were in a business of fishing. They were having lots of boats full of fish. So they were businessmen. And when Jesus called them, Jesus told them, saying, you men, you follow me, I will make you the business magnets. Did I Jesus say that? Did Jesus say them that, okay, I will make you the scholars. You are not well educated. You are not doing well. I will make you the experts in this field, that field. Jesus called them and said, you follow me. I will make you fishers of men. That is, I will make you the soul winners. That's the job he gave to them, and that's the job we are given. And we must be busy in winning souls. And other than that is going to be waste. So find people around you. Ask God and uh, pray that, Lord, show me my mission. And especially reach your family members. Well, I visit so many families here. Not everybody in the family is saved. By God's grace, I was thrown out of the house when I got saved, but God helped me to witness to my parents and family members, and uh, all of them got saved. I have one brother who has not committed his life to Jesus yet. I always pray that I, I don't want him to lose. I, don't, I cannot imagine him or her uh, his wife going to hell. And all my niece and uh, nephews and cousins, I want them to be saved. And I do my best to share the gospel. Our job is to present the gospel. And uh, saving them is God's responsibility. In Ezekiel 3, 17 to 19, prophet, through the prophet, God says, I am giving you a message. You tell the wicked to change his or her life. And if you told them the message and if they did not change their life, they will die and go to hell. Your job is done. You are not guilty. But I have given you the message, but if you failed in giving that message to your neighbor, the one who is in sin, the one who is in wicked life, and if you did not instruct them, if you did not share that good news, you know what happens? They die. They go to hell. But remember, I am going to hold you accountable for their blood. So we are going to be accountable. God is going to hold us, hold us accountable for people, those who are going to hell, who were in our reach, who were in an area where we had opportunities to share the gospel. So 
So that is our responsibility. My brothers and sisters, one more time, missions should be our main and one and only goal and ambition on this earth in this life. There should be nothing else. Anything you do, anything you do must bring glory to God, must lead people to saving knowledge, and must help believers growing in Christ's image. I want to read a verse in a 1 Peter, Peter first epistle, and uh, then ask a pastor to come and pray. 2 verse 9 It says here, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excel, ex excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. If you are, if you believe that you are called out of that darkness. And if you believe that God had saved you from that perishing state, he's calling you. He's saying you are called out to proclaim, proclaim the good news, what you have experiencing now. So that is what God wants us to do. Let's all bow down and uh, make a commitment. God is speaking to you, respond. Don't neglect his voice. When God is saying, yes, I needed to share this news with my brothers, with my sisters, with my family members, please do that. Because Jesus said, nothing can match with the value of one single soul. A man gaining the whole world and loses his soul, what he gains. They may gain whole world, but if they are going to hell, what is the benefit? What is the profit? Let's go down in prayer. Request Pastor Ryan to close in prayer. All right, let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, if there's anyone here who has never placed their faith in you, Lord, would they know it is not based on works, but it is truly based on the payment uh, that your son has made on their behalf, that it's through the blood of Jesus that we have a right relationship with you and that they would just confess that they have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, that they're trusting in him for life and life eternal. They can have absolute assurance that they'll be with you in eternity in holy blessing. And Lord, for all of us, as you impress people, maybe in faces or areas of our life on our mind and our heart, uh, Lord, would we just agree that you've called us to be on mission. We thank you for the grace you've given us. Might we then in turn today 
either commit or renew a commitment to reach people for Christ exactly where you have us. And Lord, we're just thankful that in all of life that your grace is sufficient, that if we confess our sins, you are so faithful to forgive us. And so Lord, we thank you for this message this morning, uh, reminding us the importance of mission, not only in Pastor Serena Boss's life, but also ours. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.